Hello, and thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This week's sermon, called The Shape of the Resurrected Community, is from the third Sunday of Easter. The main sermon text is John 18, 33 through 40, and the supplemental reading is Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Our worship services take place every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in our sanctuary at 819 John Adams Street in Oregon City, or live-streamed via our Facebook page. For more information about our church, or to support the ministry and mission of First Baptist Church, please visit our website, onebaptistchurch.org. That's the numeral onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. If someone says something is out of this world, it usually means it's really good. And then, of course, Katie just gave me that look that says nobody says out of this world anymore to mean really good. (laughs) That's an old-timey thing to say. And you know what? Maybe it is. But sometimes we say, sometimes people, I, you know, let's bring back out of this world to mean like something really good. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, That's up to all of you. But it can mean that you're having a great time or something is really good. Sometimes when we think of out of this world, though, we tend to to think of escapism, that we read science fiction and things like this because we want to read about humanity in other parts unknown that are currently unknown to us and and consider things like, are there aliens? Is there extraterrestrial, you know, life off of Earth? Um, and I think the, the surest sign that there might be is uh, one legendary rock musician named David Bowie. Uh, David Bowie was definitely not from here, um, and he did not die as much as he went back to be with his people. But when Jesus says, when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he is flipping that phrase on its ear on its head. He is turning it upside down, as Jesus has a tendency to do. Because when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he is not talking about an escapist fantasy where where some far-off place is home, and in this far-off place, uh, we will go to be with Jesus someday. He says, no, my kingdom is not of this world meaning that it does not belong to this farce of power and prestige and truth that's being played out in front of him. Because Jesus says, if it were part of all of this, you would have my followers armed and ready to go right here, causing you an awful lot of problems. But instead, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And of course, we know what happens next is is just as Nathan read. Pilate said, doesn't pick up on the whole not of this world comment. He picks up on the oh, so you're a king, eh? And he says, if you're a king, then, you know, you're a threat to me. Because here's a little secret about Pontius Pilate. He just wants to keep his job. 
He doesn't care about Jesus. He doesn't care about the Jews. He kind of looks down his nose at all of them. Pilate just wants to keep his job. And so if he detects that there is a threat to the Roman Empire, he's got to squish it like a, like a bug. So Jesus says, I came to testify to the truth, to which Pilate says, you want truth? I'll show you the truth. I can trade your life for this other bloke's. And thus, Barabbas the insurrectionist gets a free pass, and Jesus, if you flip the page and read chapter 19, gets beaten with a lead-tipped whip. Now, why am I reading all, are we going into all of this crucifixion stuff after the resurrection? Why are we into the crucifixion again during Easter? Because of this one simple fact that when Jesus shows up to his disciples, we read this on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus shows up to his disciples bearing, in his resurrected body, bearing the scars of crucifixion. If we think of, if we are thinking of Jesus as a non-bodily existence, we are wrong. And if we are thinking that Jesus is standing at the right hand, sitting at the right hand of the Father, right now, without those scars, we are also wrong. Because Jesus has those scars to show a deeper truth about the world, that the new way, the way that he brings into existence, is the way of self-emptying love, love expressed through self-sacrifice. Pilate's truth is, I can throw you in jail, I can beat you with the whip, I can put you on a cross and put a sign above you that says king, and look at this king, huh? He's, uh, he's nailed to a bit of wood, just hanging there naked. What about your king? But Jesus knows that these scars are going to represent the liberation of all humanity. And so as we have begun our Easter season with considering what does it mean to be the resurrected community? I want to offer just a thought today that we have to be the community that maintains a cross-shaped posture while engaging with the scars of the world and our own scars. When we, when we say something is in shape, and, and I don't know if, if you've noticed, but I find tremendous, not just power, but humor in, in the, the truth that comes, sometimes comes out when we use these expressions. When we say we've got to get something into shape, well, there are lots of different shapes. And the shape of the church could, the shape of the resurrected community could be a sword. And in fact, there have been many, many, many young people in many, many churches who have gotten hold of a, a cross somehow and flipped it upside down and then pretended to be uh, Star Wars with it. They've had their, their lightsaber battles. Me, I had lightsaber battles with, <laughs> with upside down crosses. And the, the, the church absolutely could take that shape. Because when you, take, when you try to have resurrection without death, 
Or as Loretta Lynn said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. When you have resurrection without death, you get a cheap throwaway form of triumphalism. You get to shout, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. But play stupid games and win stupid prizes. If you shout, I'm winning, you're the only person who's winning. Nobody else gets to win in this scenario. And sadly, sadly, there are lots of people who fall into this trap because either we don't know what to do with our scars, other people's scars, the signs of the struggle, or we are just too ashamed and too scared and too terrified that revealing scars represents a failure of faith. But if Jesus can boldly appear to his disciples after the resurrection, maintaining those scars, then what we can see is that we also have a way to deal with scars. Because what are scars except a sign that you lived through something? Scars are are a sign that you have made it through that thing, and it was costly. And you may bear scars on your body as you listen to me. You may bear the scars of surgeries and procedures. You may bear the scars of, uh, of athletic glory in your prime or being past your prime and still trying to reach for athletic glory. You may bear the scars of abuse. Somebody may have physically harmed you. And if that is the scar you bear, I am truly, truly, truly sorry. And I don't want you to take anything that I'm saying today lightly, except to hear that if you bear deep scars that cause you deep shame and deep, and deep trauma, understand that in Jesus Christ is God who is not afraid to deal with scars. And this same Jesus is willing to to work with you in dealing with those scars and dealing with the hurt and the pain that comes behind those those physical scars. Because physical scars also bear mental scars, don't they? And so if we are the resurrected community, we are the community that has to be willing to take the shape of the cross and to bear with the scars of the world. Consider Matthew 25, where Jesus says that whenever you feed the hungry and clothe the naked and care for the immigrant, basically it comes down to four categories of people if you want to simplify it. It comes down to the sick, the poor, the immigrant, and the prisoner. And he says, whenever you do anything for them, you're doing it for me. And so in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our world, whenever we see and are present with the scars of the sick, the poor, the immigrant, and the prisoner, 
when we as God's church, God's people, the resurrected community, are present to those scars, we are present to Christ himself. But the other way around is if we want people to see Jesus in us, we have to offer a look at our scars too. And before we can do that, we have to own our scars and and admit to our scars and stop faking strength in the name of feigned invulnerability. Because if we are followers of Jesus, we are followers of a vulnerable God. We are followers of a God who suffered and bled and died. But we are also followers of a God of resurrection, a God who called Jesus out from the grave, a God who says there is a new way in this world that the true king is now reigning. And someday that true king will return and set all things right. But until then, the king is working his reign out through his people through his agents of power. And guess what? That's us. Today in Table Talk, we're to consider today and then the last two, uh, the last two Sundays worth of sermons of what does it mean to be the resurrected community. But let me leave you with this. The resurrected community is a cross-shaped community bearing witness to the new life of resurrection in our world.